everyone to the Rest Podcast, where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life. Catherine Ding is back with Virginia to teach us how to stop violating our conscience. This episode, I'm intrigued to talk about because it revolves around the question, why am I my own worst enemy? Virginia, why am I my own worst enemy? And why why can this realization be so discouraging sometimes? Wow. I could talk about this for a week. But I think fundamentally, we become our own worst enemy when we violate our conscience. Mm-hmm. That means we silence that quiet, still voice that says, that's not a good idea. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. That's not what you're about. That's not what you value. That's not in the hopes and dreams and passions and and convictions you have for your future. We become our own worst enemy when we attribute more value, worth, to our 401ks and our savings and checkings accounts and our properties and our investments than we do in our most sacred property, which is our conscience. That is when we become our own worst enemy. And the reason this subject is of special interest to me, it's because it's the single most important point that I think people must understand to bring about significant change now, Mm. immediately. And to stop feeling like they're victims of circumstances, regardless of the home they grew up in. All of our parents did the best they could with the resources they have. Everyone operates according to the resources that they have. Everyone intuitively wants to sustain life. They just don't understand the things, like we talked about in the last segment, that drained their life and their life force and their energy. But in the conversation that we're continuing to have about the hungers that drive us, I think this is of utmost importance, and Catherine's going to speak to it in a very powerful way. She's really going to break this down for us. Catherine, we saved the best for last, and you know this is probably one of my favorite things we've ever discussed, because I find it has the capacity to turn a life around in a very short conversation. This is where I think the rubber meets the road, where the themes of the hungers that drive us, that drive me, come together, is why do I sabotage myself? What is happening? And like I just mentioned, I personally think that this topic of conscience and understanding it is the most sacred property that we manage according to the counsel of our will, I might add, negotiated by feelings, right? And by the condition of our heart, if we've hardened it or not. I think this is a really important theme. And so would you talk to us a little bit about that, please? How we become our own worst enemies. Yes, I'd like to also inject in there how we have been mistaught about this idea of conscious, conscience. Because I misspoke there and said consciousness. And I think modern education has taken away the word conscience to consciousness, to be aware of your surroundings, what other people are doing, what they are thinking about you or about anything else. So over the past decades, we have something called a social conscience, 
where somehow by some majority consensus or majority poll, that determines what is good and what is not good or what is wrong or what is right. Our consciences are personal properties. They are a power that is in every human being. And if we ignore this property and maintenance of it, when I say maintenance of a conscience, keeping a good conscience, a clear conscience, or a clean conscience. And when we don't attend to our property, it will decay, it will be unkept, uh, it will be overrun and needs correction. I like what you... Yeah, I repair. That's a great word. I like what you, how you opened. We didn't plan this, anticipate this, but I like the distinction you made. Consciousness has to do with surroundings, external. And we talked a lot about the internal and the external in the previous segments. So that has to do with external, the consequence of something. Conscience, here's where my accent comes <laughs> becomes a problem. But our conscience is internal. It's personal. It's private. Mm -hmm. It's individual. Nobody touches that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That is always, always, always governed strictly according to the counsel of our individual will. And I like that because it's, that's power. That's authority. That's the authority we have, right? To determine the course of our life. Absolutely. It's a guide, that is determining for yourself what is lawful and unlawful, not right and wrong. Understand that right and wrong are absolutes. There's no almost right in mathematics. You're either right or wrong. Right is absolute. It's correct or That's not morality, correct. That's morality, right? Mm-hmm. It's either moral or immoral. It can't be any gray area. But conscience has nothing to do with morality. It's an individual judgment of whether something before you to decide upon is lawful or unlawful. Will it promote your life or destroy your life? Our conscience is personal because it's not used to judge other people. It's to judge yourself, your own actions, and your affections, your heart's affections, what you attach yourself to, uh, what you love, who you love, what you love to eat, what you don't love. Do you understand? Yes, and while you're speaking, and I don't want to derail you, but the thought that just came to mind is how people of faith, and let's say the church, it can be, it could come across as extremely judgmental to those outside of the church. Even within the church. Even within the church, right. But we're commanded, right, to exercise judgment, first of all, Never exercise judgment against those outside of the faith community because in so doing, we condemn ourselves because we're weak in the same ways. We share this common humanity that's frail. And within the church, we're called to judge each other for the sake of restoration, reconciliation, that's, right? And that, healing. Well, let me clarify some point here. When you join or enter into membership or covenant with other believers in a church body, mm-hmm. which is a actually a governmental body, mm-hmm. you submit 
to the policies, the requirements of leadership, and the, the teaching of that church. And also you submit to the government of that church in areas where they have authority, okay, whether it's doctrine or even morality, clear? But you submit to it. It's voluntary. That's in an organization. It's the same thing in when you join a corporation. So reconciling conflict and restoration and all those things are a given with that submission. In, but when here's right. But herein lies the problem. The point that you just made is an excellent point because that's a that's a, almost a taboo word. Nothing, nobody wants to submit to anybody. And this concept of submission to governing bodies, we're talking about the faith-based institution, and I just happened to bring that up because there's so much judgment. But people have judgments against each other in, in many realms. But this whole thing of submission to the governance of an institution, I just want to point out something you taught me a long time ago, that when people become very judgmental and argumentative in any kind of setting, whether it's in the institution of marriage, the institution of the family, right? The, the, the community of the family, the church, the state. It's because they have a weak conscience. They have unreconciled conflicts within themselves. So when we talk about these concepts of submissions, can you talk about that a little bit? Remember, it's a covenant. So you submit. Define a covenant. It's an agreement. It's not a contract. It's not a legal binding, but it is an agreement of heart and mind a joining of heart and mind. If you are not joined in heart and mind, you don't make a covenant. It's marriage is a covenant, primarily. Submission of hot wife to husband is, is voluntary, but you do that as part of the covenant. That's what you vow. So if you're not going to be willing to hand over the government of your home to this man, you don't make that covenant. And, and something him to her too, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And then, so when we're talking about a church, because I don't want to get derailed, I just want to talk right. lightly about all the institutions. We have the same experience in a church. Absolutely. As a body of believers, we submit our job. And the key word is voluntary submission. Voluntary submission. What, submission means to put your will under somebody else. Under it's, one mission. Yes. Let me ask you this, Catherine, because this is a really important point, and I don't want to get derailed from this. So when we talk about our worst enemy, we're coming right back to self here. It's your decision. These are profound things because if submission is voluntary, yes. we get into topics of consent. Yes, it is. So talk about that for well, a minute. Pertaining by, according to your volition, your will. Talk about that in conscience. Conscience is a decision. The definition of conscience is that power within everyone. It's a power within us which makes decisions. That's why it's sacred. You make decisions for yourself, but you have to be taught how to do that. When I instruct parents concerning education, I tell them that part of their education is how to make decisions of conscience. Now, this conscience of ours is not used to judge others. That's our mistake. No man can judge adequately another man. The only judge any man has to answer to is God himself. We say very casually, it's between God and that person. It is true. We cannot judge, condemn 
Because there's a judgment that refers to discernment. That's why we make sure that we are judging according to the right will of God. Okay. Which is to restore and reconcile. In the body. With him first. With him first. That's right. But I would say to live. Mm -hmm. What's God's will for all men? Live. So the reconciliation of conflict sustains life. That's why I talk about reconciling the conflict within our own constituents. But that's your judgment. That's That's right. That's your judgment, okay? But there are those who are ignorant of your concept, Mm -hmm. biblical concept as much as it is. So we cannot use what we know to judge another person because they may not know what we know. That's why it's so personal, and we give liberty of conscience. And so does God, according to the measure. What came from God. Right. Exactly. Choose you this day mm-hmm. whom you will serve, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. We elect him. Mm-hmm. He comes knocking on our heart's door. We don't have to let him in. You know, people often say that that they have a tendency to sabotage themselves. And when they're not focused on that, they're wondering why God doesn't hear them, why God's abandoned them. They struggle with issues of faith. And I really believe that if people can understand these principles of conscience, these principles of individual self-government, these principles of submission, these principles of judgment, we realize that God has set an ecosystem in place that gives us full liberty. The fullest expression and love of God is liberty. The The love of God is the liberty... Right, his name is Liberty. That's right, but that's deep, right? That can be really deep. That's true. But Liberty, you're taking me there, right? <laughs> you're taking me there. But it does. I right. But I want our listening audience to understand that to come into this state of rest, into this place of rest, of reconciling our view of God. It's foundational to this conversation because this is ultimately what we always well, circle back to. If Because rest is about reconciling the conflict between our constituents. Specifically, we examine the life of the heart, our view of theology, and our view of philosophy, foundational to healing. The role of relationships, how we've attached, the meaning of pictures, how we've processed all this, and the value of our own story. And all this is woven so tightly. These principles, these things we're talking about, is the intricacies of that, how we play it out, and how what we take people through. And I think this is why it's transformational. So when you speak about the implications of conscience, the implications of judgment, the implications of understanding these principles of covenant, right? And submission and agreement and all and consent and all these things. All of a sudden, I think it takes a lot of pressure from me to figure out so much stuff to realize, wait a second, I've got this internal system and it's all been put in place for liberty and freedom. Remember, you decide. Do I make covenant or do I not make covenant? Is it lawful for me? Is this going to just be destructive association or a union? Or is this going to improve, enhance my life, the quality of my life, both physical and spiritual? And covenant is an agreement of heart and mind. But you make a decision. Right. And then you I just judge. want to remind everyone. 
okay. covenant. But it's a governmental thing. Who or what is going to govern, right? That's right. It's heart and mind heart, decides. That's a covenant. But when I go back to my definition, uh, the definition of conscience is the power within us which decides, like a judge decides in court, whether something is lawful for me or not lawful, whether it promotes my life, improves my life, lengthens my life, or will it inhibit, diminish, destroy my life. It's mm-hmm. a personal decision. That's why there's liberty to follow a conscience concerning your personal lives. That's why we don't allow external government to interfere with our internal lives, just the external. That's right. all they know how to do. And I think in making those personal choices and something that Dr. Caroline Leaf touches on in her book, Switch on Your Brain, she talks about how it all begins with your thoughts, with your thought life, because what you think about leads to specific choices. And those specific choices are your actions that lead to the circumstances that you are now in. It's all your choice. Principles that shape your thinking is important. Yes. We're talking about the principles she's instigating in lives that Mm -hmm. were never there. Mm -hmm. And when you bring the mind and principles together, they can judge properly. Yeah. And they can understand how to discern for themselves. Because that's exactly. what you're teaching them, is how to live their own lives according to the dictates of a principled conscience. Right, because I'm all about helping people understand that all the resources they need for life and happiness and to pursue the deepest hungers of their soul is to understand these principles and apply them. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. It is not uncommon for before people speak, right, to become physically ill. And they have all these physical manifestations of the anxiety that manifests. We don't need a PhD to tell us that is what we think we are. Mm -hmm. We don't need that. We don't need PhDs. We don't need doctors to tell us many, many, many things. That's why some want to control your thinking rather than your independent thinking. It's a business. It drives an industry. It sells books. It, it sustains an economy. And I fundamentally want to help people understand the raw resources that they have within themselves to leverage intimacy with God, intimacy with themselves, intimacy with their spouse, intimacy with their children, regardless of the homes and the situations we find ourselves in, right, through understanding these principles. Why? Because you're an individual responsible for your own actions and judgments. Right. And because I've reasoned through these things, that's a big responsibility that I carry. And you don't take on the responsibility of others. No. That's what you have to decide. Is this mine to take or not? Is it lawful or unlawful for me? Let me finish my definition of conscience. Okay. Conscience is a power within us which decides on the lawfulness or unlawfulness of my actions or and affections. And instantly, this is the kicker, instantly approves of them or condemns them. So we are either living in self-condemnation, justifiably, or we are living in free conscience, uncorrupted, unspoiled. And this free conscience is our aspiration for ourselves, our property, keeping our property free of being trespassed or violated. Okay. So I want you to repeat that one more time. Which part? Conscience. 
Conscience is the power within us which decides on the lawfulness or unlawfulness of our actions and affections and instantly approves or condemns them. And we can't walk away from it. This is the pain of a conscience violated, injured, violenced against by our own decisions, right? our actions, our attachments. Mm-hmm. So there are ways to escape the pain, and many try to medicate it, to dull the feelings or the, that come from a conscience weighed down by condemnation self-condemnation nobody else's condemnation Mm -hmm. these are secret Mm -hmm. things nobody else but you live with it that's why you're you live intentionally to keep a good conscience otherwise misery and and you lose your liberty and it infects everything that you do from that point on what i discover to teach is that if we own our stuff that's the phrase people say today if we own it and take responsibility for it and work to amend and correct either the words spoken, the actions done. If we make things right, that's a step in the right direction. And But confessing it and accepting the judgment is part of that overcoming it. We see that with the technology we use. We see the consequence of that. We, we see the release patterns. Mm-hmm. That and the scripture that. says, if you confess, instant forgiveness. But we hang on to and deny and self-deceive ourselves that we can get away with it or it doesn't matter, but it builds up as you would teach. Your body keeps score yeah. of all that condemnation. I actually have a, a yeah, personal question for this, too. Yeah. The yeah, And this is actually directed towards you, Virginia. Do you think it's possible for someone to deny something for a majority of their lives, to, de- to deny things over and over and over and over and over again, to the point that they forget things that they've done? 100%. Not only do I believe that that happens, I watch it kill them. Yeah. I watch it slowly kill them. And I've also watched, observed miracles when they say enough is enough. And generally, it isn't because they're intentionally trying to avoid it. I think we shatter, right? Like mm-hmm. a vase falls, it breaks. Yeah. And those parts of us stay dissociated and sometimes to preserve our life. Mm-hmm. And it was meant neurologically, physiologically, biologically, right? It's the organism, our system was designed for us to compartmentalize things in that way. It is not made to live in that state. Right. It's a temporary fix. It's like running with a spare. Mm-hmm. You can run your car with a spare, drive it, excuse me, with a spare, but you cannot operate it for years on end on that spare. It's right. going to destabilize the entire system. Mm-hmm. And so what happens, other things begin to break down or you're not going to get very far and you'll have a bigger problem. That's what happens when disease sets in. Right. And this is one of my favorite topics. And as you know, Dr. Cowden will be joining us to discuss this mm-hmm. because the consequence of not understanding, my people perish for lack of knowledge, right? Yeah. Or lack of understanding. 
So understanding and having knowledge and understanding of the things that Catherine is talking about and having the wisdom to apply them is really the best wellness care. You know, I hate the word health care. Mm-hmm. I refuse, I should say, to use the word health care. <laughs> but wellness care that we can implement, it's better than buying an insurance plan. Mm-hmm. Reconcile understand these principles that we've been talking about in the hunger that drives us. You know, these hungers are a blessing, right? Mm -hmm. They're meant to, I think they're God's gift to us. Every hunger that we have that leads us to more life. Yeah, I think they're a guide for us. And I think it's how God invites us and romances our hearts for a lifetime to have courage to live by faith in intimacy with Him to experience this entire different, our wholeness, our wholeness, the completeness of what he's deposited in us. And as you know, Natalie, this is one of the best parts of my job. Mm-hmm. It's what I help people step into. But I think the reason I wanted Catherine to come and discuss these topics, these themes in the hungers that drive us, because there are principles that are universal, they're self-evident, they speak to our natural affections, and we know them, but we don't understand them. Right. And some of them we understand, but we don't even know what they are. Yeah. So I'm hoping we can clarify a little bit of that in the last few segments that we did. Mm-hmm. I'd like to add also there is the cases where when we are in rebellion, we mm-hmm. know better, but we don't do better. Mm-hmm. And our conscience repeatedly afflicts us, pain of conscience. We can, in that rebellion, harden and sear that conscience where it won't operate anymore. Right. And that is the depth of depravity. The depth of depravity is a seared conscience when we have ignored the symptoms, right? And it's probably over a long period of time that this happens. And in some cases might even be um, not, oh, what's the word? The person doesn't notice it. 100%. 100%. So like maybe it starts, but then it becomes a habit that then the body just continues on with. I would say they do know it, actually. They do? Okay. Yeah, so when you talked about seared cabinet, they do because they don't feel well because the body mm. keeps the score. And there will be symptoms of a seared conscience, autoimmune diseases, the- chronic bladder infections, right. bizarre things that I see that when we've reconciled the emotional conflict, we see these things clear up. Exactly. But I think in the seared conscience, there's... Really, a great disassociation. Yeah, they don't connect that this is a result of, right? And so they will deny it, and that's a danger point Mm -hmm. where you're irredeemable because you choose not to respond to the judge that is in you. You are your own judge. When we discipline maybe children, I avoid accusing them of something, Mm -hmm. even though I saw it with my own eyes. I want to bring them to self-accusation. So I am asking them, I'm appealing to their conscience. To listen to their own judge. To judge themselves. All right. And you train them so that they're sensitive to that voice that you talk about. Otherwise, when you say, I saw you, you did that. Mm -hmm. Well, you're, you're not their conscience. Yeah. Teach them to own up from their conscience. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Say how, and then I want to make a, an important point. Well, let me give you an example of a principal I know who did this in his school. And it was during recess time, and the, the little boy wasn't where he was supposed to be. And so he called up over. 
and he just simply asked the boy, what's the rule? Yeah. He said the rule. Did you obey the rule? No. So they decide, Mm -hmm. and they judge themselves first Mm -hmm. as to their action. Something that is just so important was that the learning to take ownership of your actions. And people will say responsibility. I personally think ownership is a better word than responsibility. Right. Because they themselves chose what they chose, Mm -hmm. and they themselves know on whether or not it's wrong. That was an incredible definition, and that was a great example. And we don't feel well when we violate our conscience. And I like what you also said about the compartmentalization thing. A seared conscience is when we do it enough and with great regularity that something becomes compartmentalized, dissociated. And then the transaction goes from an active conscience and violation of conscience and feeling bad to physiological consequences of disease. That begins to manifest. And I see that a lot with children. I see that in family systems. And as an educator, I know you have great sensitivity for that because you've been in education 40 years, dealing with institutions, with families, and with children. And so I love these principles and how you talk about, and again, we're going to explore these themes in future conversations, but how to practically teach people how to give even children an opportunity, ask them a question that is not prosecutorial, right? Not why questions. Definitely not why questions. Exactly, right? There's a universal answer for that is I don't know. Yes. (laughs) And, And I've seen you do that masterfully with large groups of people and with great sensitivity and I think that's important because it's, it's okay. they can practice. We make decisions on three categories every day. Mm-hmm. We really do. Just put your decision in one of three categories or maybe they fit all three. And we make decisions about first of all life, our life, personal life, but the life of our bodies as well as our soul, the inner man and the outer man. Second category, we make decisions about our liberty. Will we lose it or gain liberty by this decision? And thirdly, we make decisions about our property, private property, physical property, material property, talents, gifts. So about life, is it going to improve my life, lengthen my life, give me wellness in life, or is it going to cause disease? Is it going to destroy? Is it going to diminish my life? Same thing with your soul. Is it going to rob my soul of hope? Is it going to rob my soul of joy? Is it going to deny them the word of God? Nourish my soul with truth? Those are questions we ask about the inner man and the outer man. We can read depressing literature, listen to depressing songs, lyrics. We can feed depressing pictures, and before you know it, our spirit goes down. Mm -hmm. Our will to live goes down. The soul is your heart, your mind, and your will to live. And that could be destroyed by all kinds of doors Mm -hmm. that we let in. Film, music, books. When it comes to property, is it going to... Liberty, is it going to enslave me? I like to say this to young people. You're playing your video games. Can you turn it off anytime? Or can you ask mom five more minutes, five more minutes, ten more? Then you're a slave because you can't turn it off. It controls you. You do not control it. You're a slave. You can call it addiction if you want, Mm -hmm. but you can't control it. It controls you. Mm -hmm. 
That's great. All right. So it's slavery versus liberty. Property. Oh, property. Is it going to, again, lessen the value of my property, my talent, my material property, my finances? Or is it going to improve again? I want to pull the thread here. It's very important, these last three, what would you call them? Three categories of conscience. Three categories of decision-making. Of decision-making. Mm. Okay. So you gave excellent definitions of conscience. You talked about submission. You talked about consent. You talked about a covenant. Those are all things that the conscience engages in, of course. And these three categories, right, of decisions of conscience that we make are about life. And what you were talking about, life, I thought, how we began this podcast, that energy, Mm -hmm. energy sustains life, right? So I thought about the spirit, the spiritual, this quantum field of energy that's negotiated by our heart, our mind, our will. So that was powerful. Life, energy, it's in the spiritual realm, right? And then you talked about liberty of conscience, and that's negotiated in the soul, the mind, the heart, the will, the conscience. So spirit, soul, and then property, private, Private. And again, are you protecting your property? Exactly. Which is your body. Yep. So spirit, soul, and body. There you go. Mm -hmm. And that was a powerful, I think, close to a segment of the hunger that drives me because you cover every facet, every constituent of a person, and you've really given us seeds of ideas. We've discussed seeds of ideas and tangible and specific ways to protect that hunger, understand that hunger, or and to satisfy and hunger. sustain a healthy life. And Otis, and I know you know Dr. Ledbetter very well, he's going to break it down for us even more specifically. But you really went deep in this segment with ideas that I think are not commonly discussed or if they're discussed not in this way and with this language. And the language is important to me because there is no freedom without liberty. And if we lose the language of liberty, we lose our capacity to fully live free. And it drains our energy because we're going to be acting right in ways that are draining us and we don't understand them. So I hope we resolved that or gave people some tangible resources. I'd like to ask you, what's a good takeaway? Choose life. Mm. Choose life. Choose life. There you go. Choose life. What are the action steps, tangible action steps? Of course, I want everyone to get the book Soul Hunger. Take the Soul Hunger test, and Natalie will give us resources online so you can understand the hunger that drives you. It's an amazing resource. But do you have an action step you'd like to give everyone? Just eat good food. Eat good food. (laughs) Spirit, soul, and body, yeah, huh? Right. Yes. <laughs> and mind, yeah. Intellectually, physically, for the body and for the soul. Yep. Make yeah. decisions that sustain life. Choose life. I'd even say to Thank pick you. up a new hobby that you've wanted to pick up for a very long time. Just go do it. Do something. I would say do something that you've been afraid to do. Yes. That's yes, it. Thank that's you, Natalie. It. Yeah, I prompted. <laughs> that's it. 
Thank you, Catherine. Oh, my I love having pleasure. you here. Thank you. Thank you so much. So yes, talking about the soul hunger test, you can actually take that at hungertest.com. And then one of the books that we talked about in this segment was Switch on Your Brain, and that's by Dr. Caroline Leaf. You can find that on Amazon. Thank you for listening to the Rest Podcast and the Hunger That Drives Me series. To learn more about Catherine Dang and the Philomath Foundation, please go to philomathfoundation.com. That's P-H-I-L-O mathfoundation.com. For updates about rest and this podcast, please visit our Instagram or Facebook, The Place of Rest. If you would like more information about Virginia or to support and join the cause of rest, please go to virginiadixon.com forward slash collaborate. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. <laughs>